0: Welcome to the Wall in Main podcast. I'm your host, Douglas Blake with Kingswood US. We're standing at the corner of Wall Street and Main Street. We're seeing volatility and carnage across both these days as corporate America and investors contend with multiple challenges in 2022. Helping diagnose the patient, the US economy, is our old friend, Sam Stovall. Chief Investment Strategist at CFRA. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here, Douglas. Sam, last time we spoke was in June, and it was just before a big rally in the markets. Last week, the major averages had their biggest weekly gains since that rally in June. Bull market, bear market, where would you put us right now?
1: Well, I think that we are in the latter innings of this bear market, and what we really have to try to ascertain is whether the October 12th low was the low for this bear market uh, or simply the launching point for a near-term bear market rally before we ultimately hit the low of this bear probably sometime in the first quarter of 2023.
0: Right. And, and I think one of the uh, circumstances that was sort of jeopardizing uh, the potential for uh, some sort of relief in the markets the last time we spoke was the notion that the Fed was still going to have to be very aggressive in keeping inflation under control. I remember you referenced uh, the Fed as likely having to jam on the brakes by raising rates aggressively. And so far, they've done just that. In fact, at one point Friday, the two-year note topped 4.33%. That's the two-year note before a report came out of the Wall Street Journal suggesting that some at the Federal Reserve are growing concerned about raising interest rates too far, too fast. How do you think we finish out the year? And, and what's in store for next year? Do we get the pivot?
1: Well, uh, I think we end this year possibly on a positive note. This is a midterm election year, and the market tends to uh, do fairly well in the final quarter of midterm election years, even if we are in a bear market environment. Uh, Since World War II, we've had five of such periods. And four of those times the, the market ended up being positive um, in October. And five out of five, it was up for the entire fourth quarter. Um, so obviously that's a interesting historical factoid rather than a specific guarantee or forecast. Uh, but I think that investors are gonna be paying a very close attention to the Federal Reserve. We do think that they're gonna raise rates by 75 basis points in November. And right now, we're still thinking that they'll do the same in December. But the market's starting to think maybe the Fed will only raise by 50 basis points in December. And that could actually be a favorable sign. Uh, The question is, will the Fed pause, meaning raise and then not do anything as we head into 2023? Or pivot, will there be a possibility that the Fed will actually start to lower interest rates? Our belief is that the Fed will continue to raise rates through the middle of 2023, and then start to pivot and reduce uh, the Fed funds rate to about you know between four and a half and four and three quarters uh, by the end of this year, and ditto by the end of next year after going up by 25 to 50 basis points midway.
0: So one of the consequences of this aggressive uh, Fed policy is globalization and the impact that this has on other economies, on import and export, and on the US dollar, which has been an absolute wrecking ball across the globe. Uh, We spoke shortly uh, off camera, and uh, I I know you just got back from a trip to Portugal, and and I was uh, over in Eastern Europe uh, part of the summer, and you can really see the impact of the strong dollar You know how can we? Uh, I guess back off the pedal with inflation continuing to persist here in the United States, uh, but in the name of maybe giving some uh, some much-needed relief to the global economy uh, and to um, to to the U.S. with interest rates surging. You know, we're, aren't we sort of in a in a pickle here where we do have to stay aggressive towards interest rates, but We also have to be mindful of the collateral damage.
1: Absolutely. And that's the conundrum that the Fed faces today. Uh, They realize that they don't want to make the same mistakes that were made in the second half of the 1970s, where they raise rates, they see that the economy is slowing, they then back off, either pausing or pivoting, only to realize, uh uh-oh, we didn't go far enough, and then have to reintroduce a higher rate program. So- it was like uh, three steps forward, two steps backwards, only to then have to do that two or three times. So I think the Fed wants to avoid that this time. Um, And they realize that uh, it could have a deleterious effect, not only on the US, but also around the globe, because a lot of uh, emerging markets uh, and emerging debt is tagged to the US dollar, so higher U.S. dollar, higher U.S. interest rates would have a negative effect on emerging debt. Uh, But I think the Fed says, you know what, that's going to be collateral damage, and that's something we might be aware of, but it's not going to cause us to change our strategy if indeed what we need to do is to bring down inflation. Inflation has been very stubborn, 9.1% in June, uh, and then only slowly coming down to the low 8% area where we stand today. Uh, We were expecting inflation to end 2022 at about 6% or so, Uh, but now that estimate is in the lower area of the 7% range. So it looks as if inflation will be with us uh, for longer and higher.
0: And you did mention emerging markets and today, after some political changes over the weekend, Chinese ADRs are being obliterated. And I should say today, for the record, is the 24th of October, 2022. Uh, China used to be seen as the locomotive of the global growth engine. Is that still the case? And how concerned should we be about these massive drawdowns that we're seeing in these Chinese ADRs?
1: Well, when they uh, also reported a 3.9% gain in GDP, you know, their economy is fairly strong, especially since much of it has been shut down because of COVID. Um, So the the, uh, optimism is that once they do finally reopen, uh, things should improve quite quickly and dramatically. But certainly, Xi Jinping uh, has been reelected uh, now he is rivaling Mao Zedong in terms of duration and impact on the country, uh, but he's also made some major changes to his uh, his party uh, and those the leadership roles. And so I think investors are worried that uh, the new makeup is going to be less uh, favorably inclined to capitalism, uh, and as a result, we've been seeing a decline in many of these Chinese ADRs. I think it's more of a wait-and-see attitude, what kind of uh, new limitations will be placed. uh, And like rats fleeing a sinking ship, uh, will we find that uh, investors move away from China and gravitate toward more emerging markets uh, in the periphery?
0: You know, it's, it's a really interesting year because a lot of times you'll have one or two Headlines that uh, that raise your eyebrows. This year, it seems like they're coming from every corner of the globe. Uh, in the UK, we've got another prime minister. I think that's the third in three months. And uh, with the you know the bond uh, being so volatile, I'm sorry, the uh, the the pound being so volatile in the past few weeks, the past few months. Uh, What are we to make of the situation in the U.K.? Is that something we should keep our eye on for the global economy?
1: Well, I think you have to keep your eye on um, many facets around the globe, and the UK is certainly one of them. I think it simply adds to investors' conviction that they need to be parochial in nature and focus on the U.S. rather than trying to uh, broaden their allocation across the uh, the entire globe. Um, you know, when you when you look to international markets, they've been underperforming domestic markets for a multiple of years, Uh, and even though uh, the relative price-to-earnings ratios look incredibly attractive, relative dividend yields uh, look very, very appealing, investors say, what do I want to go overseas for uh, when you have all of these challenges? Um, Better off sticking with the U.S., even though valuations still remain elevated from a historic perspective, even though we're already down more than 25% on the S&P 500 in terms of price. So uh, I think what it does is it reminds investors that they want to stay close to home, even though they do realize that uh, outside reverberations could have a negative impact on our economy and stock market.
0: Sam Stovall channeling George Washington's farewell address. I appreciate that. I know last time I believe you had... Uh, a Clint Eastwood impersonation. I don't know if you've got a George Washington. Um, as, the, as the war rages on in Ukraine, this is one of those headline risks that's very hard to quantify. There's been talk in the last few weeks of some sort of nuclear event. And, and obviously this is our worst fears, um, something that you know certainly nobody uh, wants to see happen but I did want to try to get a sense, and since you are the master of contextualizing just about anything, I wanted to uh, dig into that encyclopedic uh, knowledge that you have. What sort of uh, comparison should we draw to something like that happening? Would it be, unfortunately, World War II? Would it be September 11th? What happens to the global economy what happens to the financial markets if, God forbid, something like that were to transpire?
1: Sure. Well, there are some uh, periods in time which you can make reference to. Um, I mean, this is in you know, 1956 was a um, a year in which we did have... Um, three, four, five, six. So that was an election year. So it's not a midterm uh, situation as we have this year, but we did have a recession. We did have rising interest rates and we had two geopolitical events. You had Gamal Nasser seize control of the Suez Canal, which prompted a military response by England and France. You had uh, the Hungarian uprising, uh, which was squashed with when tanks from Russia rolled into Budapest. Uh, nineteen sixty two, which was a midterm election year. You had the Cuban Missile Crisis, which, you know, which really was a, a period that did see the US and Russia go to the brink of nuclear war. Um, also you could look to nineteen ninety in a, a less threatening common environment. We did have a uh, rising interest rate environment. It was a midterm election year. We had a recession, and I believe we will have a recession this time as well. Anytime the year-on-year change in headline CPI exceeded 6.5%, we endured both a bear market and a recession. And then lastly, in 1990, we did have military situation when Iraq invaded Kuwait, uh, similar to Russia invading Ukraine. So there have been periods in time in which we had threats uh, from the economy, from the Fed, from geopolitical events. um, Certainly not as severe as tactical nuclear missiles, other than 1962, Um, but I guess, you know, you could say that this too shall pass, or hopefully this too shall pass.
0: You know, that, question was not given to Sam in advance and the fact that he could conjure up that detail, the response is just incredible. Uh, really. I don't think there's a mind like it on Wall Street and we're so appreciative to have you here. I, I do want to reference um, you mentioned you think we're headed into recession and this is kind of my uh, last question. So you know we diagnosed the patients, okay? So um, so what would the prescription be? Stocks and bonds have fallen precipitously this year, and there's really nowhere to hide if you're an investor. It used to be that there was a, an inverse relationship between the two, but now they're both taking, you know, uh, taking fire and, and, and seemingly have no hiding place. What is an investor to do in a market like this? And if we are indeed headed into a
1: recession, what does that look like uh, for an investor? Sure. Well, I think I've always been a big believer that that history is a great guide Uh, and certainly an understanding of Wall Street history can serve as virtual valium for the more nervous of investors. Just realizing that the stock market tends to anticipate recessions by seven months, uh, meaning that the market tends to peak about seven months before the recession starts. Unfortunately, the Business Cycle Dating Committee of the NBER, or National Bureau of Economic Research, they don't tell us that the speed bump that we just hit uh, was a recession until eight months into the recession, which means that um, the stock market tends to bottom about four to five months before the recession ends. Uh, So as a result, by the time the NBER tells us that we're in recession is probably the time that we want to start buying, uh, it tends to be a good timing signal. Um, In terms of saying, oh, there's no place to hide, certainly in the equity markets, there's never been uh, a place to hide. Uh, On average, the defensive sectors of consumer staples, healthcare, utilities have been the best performers on a relative basis, but uh, they tend to decline in price as well. I like to say that investors are like fainting goats, you know, sneak up behind them and yell, bear market, and the limbs will freeze, they'll fall over, and you see the stock market aligning into the defensive sectors, uh, consumer staples, healthcare, utilities, and the worst performers being the growth areas, like technology, like industrials, like consumer discretionary, but then as time goes on, the the threat is diminished, the limbs start to... Uh, Loosen up once again, and investors re-gravitate toward the growth areas. So I think that we are seeing that now. But you are correct in that uh, rarely have we seen, in the last 20 years, we've only had three times in which we have had both the stock market and the bond market post negative returns in a full calendar year. This is one of those, even though we're not out of the full calendar year just that, just yet. But if you go back to um, 2018 and also 2015, we were we posted negative price changes for both the uh, Bloomberg aggregate as well as the S&P 500. But in 18 and in 15, the declines were less than five percent, whereas for a 60/40 portfolio, whereas today a 60-40 portfolio is down almost 20%. So we are in uncharted waters in terms of the carnage that a 60-40 investor has had to endure thus far this year. Um, Certainly nothing uh, compares with it, uh, at least over the last 20 years.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the question. You know, everybody wants to kind of make it back here. And, and you know, just doesn't matter what side of the market you've been on, you've had a bad year. Can you make it back in a recession? Can, can stock prices and bond prices rise uh, in a recessionary
1: environment? Um, absolutely. Because, as I mentioned, the uh, bull market uh, or the bear market tends to bottom uh, with about four to five months to go in the recession. And bull markets tend to start an average of only three months after the bear market bottom has been reached. Uh, And even uh, more intriguing is that, on average, we've seen bull markets uh, post 40% price improvements over the coming 12-month period. And things look even better when you're dealing with bear markets associated with recessions. Uh, We end up Getting to a new bull market in three months, but are higher by 47% 12 months later. So, um, for an investor who says, Oh my gosh, my portfolio is still down about 20%, what do I do? Well, the first thing, you know, to reiterate what uh, Clint Eastwood said uh, basically, don't let your emotions uh, become your portfolio's worst enemy. If you feel like you have to do something, well, Engage in tax loss harvesting. Sell those stocks that are down and then buy stocks that are similar in nature uh, that will still fit your overall investment strategy, but now you have a tax loss that you can write off uh, in the next tax uh, reporting period. Uh, You can also engage in um, rebalancing. If you are an income-oriented investor, you can look toward those stocks that have been beaten up that now pay a very attractive dividend yield. And depending on whether they are members of the S&P dividend aristocrats, where they have increased their dividends in each of the last 25 years, chances are they're going to continue to raise their dividends. And so in a sense, you're not buying into a stock that's just about to cut their dividends. And then lastly, if you have to simply sit on your hands and remind yourself that garden variety bear markets declines of 20 to 40 percent, and we've had 13 of those since World War II, have taken an average of 14 months to get back to break even. If you don't have 14 months, you shouldn't be invested in equities. And so the speed with which that vacuum of valuations gets filled uh, is uh, head spinning, So I would tend to say, uh, try not to become your portfolio's worst enemy, and you'll be happy you did so.
0: Reminded of the phrase that there are times to go long, there are times to go short, and there are times to go fishing. Exactly. Um, And I also, uh, I want to let you slide, but it's so good. Remind me again what it was that Clint Eastwood said. A man's got to know his limitations.
1: And I find that a lot of investors, their limitations are they're so indecisive, their favorite color is plaid, they're so impatient, they get upset if they miss a slot in a revolving door, and they're so emotional that in this day and age of instant information, they can experience both fear and greed at the exact same moment.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Man, that is good. And I'll tell you, you know, the, these markets, um, you know, investors can can climb that wall of worry. But this is like a tower of terror. So there's nobody that I'd rather have to, to kind of talk us down and to uh, to to allow for the cooler heads to prevail than Sam Stovall. You know, I, I know that uh, Einstein once called compounding interest the eighth wonder of the world. So we've got the seven, then we've got eight. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna call Sam Stovall, uh, the chief investment strategist at CFRA, the ninth wonder of the world. I don't think that one's been taken yet. Uh, Your your brain and your ability to contextualize just about any financial uh, events, cataclysmic or otherwise, is unrivaled. And it's really a sight to behold. And I'm so grateful that you're giving us the opportunity to bring this to the listeners of our podcast. Again, I'm going to have to try to, to, to coax you back on down the road as, as you help our listeners navigate these treacherous waters. And, uh, and we really appreciate you coming on.
1: Well, thank you for making me blush in public. Uh, but <laughs> I'm happy to thank you, Douglas. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you. Sam Stovall, ladies and gentlemen.